following is a production of Locked Up Sports. Everybody, this is Don LaGreca from the Michael K Show. When it comes to talking sports, Bob Walters and Brett Grasso are the authority. Can't wait. When it comes to talking sports, they're the authority. It's Bob Walters and Brett Grasso. It's Locked Up Sports, and it starts now. Bring them out, bring them out, hey! Bring them out, bring them out, yeah! Bring them out, bring them out, hey! Bring them out. Here we go! Bob Walters from the Brian Gunzel Studios. This is Locked Up Sports. We got a big one for you here today. The same old story for the two local baseball teams coming out of the break last night. The Jets and Aaron Rodgers not happy about getting the hard knocks gig. And we speak with nationally syndicated talk show host, radio talk show host, Damon Amendolara, host of the DA Show. Welcome to the show, everybody. Bob Walters, thanks for tuning in. Uh, by myself here today, Brett is not available today. He's away on some personal business. Um, listen, let's start with the Mets. We got a big one today. We got Damon Amendolara. Well, I'm excited for that. It's a it's a good interview. We just finished it. He's a great guy. He's a, he's one of the top ten talk show hosts in this country. So, and we want to thank him for coming on and everything. So it was a good time. We'll play that for you in just a little bit. But we'll, we'll let's start with the Mets. I mean, come on with this team. It started off so it started off so promising, just like everything does with the Mets, right? Started off with Nimmo hitting the ball on the top of the wall. It looked like a home run. It was inches, inches from a home run. He, it's a, it's not, it's a ground rule double. He's on second base. The Mets then get three straight outs with runner in scoring position. They get nobody home, and that was it. That was all you saw from the Mets offense. The rest of the night, they did not get a runner to second base. They had uh, one hit all night. It was their only hit all night. It was the, it was basically as bad a performance as you could get. Verlander pitched okay for four innings, and then he hit the fifth inning and he walked the ballpark, and he got booed off the mound when he led, when he was walking off on the fifth inning. And it's going to start to get ugly at City Field, look, folks. It, it, it's not. It's going it, to eventually the the the, cra- the fans are going to start to turn on this team. Is what's going to happen. And you can see they're already doing that. They, the realization starting to hit that this team's not going anywhere. They're not having some kind of miracle 1973 run. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen for this team. Okay? They are, they are who they are. And let's be real. To, to even sniff that third wild card, they're going to have to play about 20 games over 500. And, and you think this team's going to play 20 games over 500? This is the biggest series they got going on right now. This is the biggest series... They got to get it going. It's now or never. We've been saying that going in. They won five in a row. Multiple times this season now they've won five in a row. And what did they do after both of those five-game win streaks? They, they, they go right back to who they are. Losing ball games, no hitting, bad pitching. And so at some point, you got to just let you know say that this is who they are. They're a bad team. Okay? They're, it's not they weren't constructed bad. It, it, we all thought it was going to work out. But... It didn't, and you you know you stuck with Scherzer and Verland. I don't know. People seem to think they're going to get traded. They're not going anywhere. Okay, nobody's taking Scherzer. Nobody's taking Verlander. Verlander they might take because he's been a little bit better. But last night was not. Last night was alarming in that fifth inning. That was an alarming fifth inning. He walked three. He walked the bases loaded. All three runs then scored, and the game was over right there. As soon as they got those runs, you knew it was over. You knew it was over. You knew the Mets weren't getting any hits. They were shut down by a good pitcher, a good Dodgers team, and, and I expect, uh, I would imagine, much of the same is going to happen today. You got Senga on the mound tonight against um, Gonsolin. Listen, it's it's not going to go well. You hope the Mets can win two out of three. And you know, I, have, I don't know how many times I can come on here and tell you that you know, oh, we got to do this. We got to do this. We got to win this game. We got to win this game. We got to win. The, we got to go on a streak for this. It's not happening. It is not happening, and it's going to start to get ugly. It's gonna, it could possibly start to get ugly in the in the clubhouse, and that's what you have to watch out for because that's when Buck could be in trouble if he starts to lose this clubhouse and they have infighting because it's not going to be a, a it's not going to be a good time in the second half. You could just tell. I mean, they they would have to go on like some some kind of fifteen out of twenty or twenty one out of twenty seven type of streak and a run. This team's not doing that. 
This team is not doing that. There is nothing that tells you that they are going to be able to do that. Nothing. And the fact that Verlander and Scherzer, they just haven't had it. They just, it hasn't been this year, and it looks like they got old. If you want to be, if you want me to be honest, Scherzer and Verlander got old right before our eyes. Scherzer at the end of last year into the playoff game, and then it just continued this year. And, and it is what it is. Listen, I mean, how, how pissed off could you really be? We've done this a, a hundred times in our lives, Mets fans. This is old hat for us. Okay, we 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 know all about this. This is easy. You know, it's the winning that we don't know anything about. But it, it it's not going to happen. As far as the Yankees go, I don't think they're going to get Otani like everybody seems to be, you know, drooling over here the, the, these the, during the All-Star break and and now into the second half, uh, Otani to the Yankees. Listen, he's, he's, he's rumored to go to like five or six teams. I don't know if the Yankees have the package for him. If he were to come here, listen, it would be huge for them. It'd be huge, but I think Juan Soto would be better for the, would be easier for them to get, more realistic for them to get, and he, he's he's just as good a hitter as Otani. He might not have the power, but he's just he had a bad start this year, but he's played well. He's got like a four four something the OBS, and and the Yankees have everybody, and the Yankees in like the ones. So it would be a step up. I would go after Soto if I were the Yankees, just because Otani's going to be a rental, and you don't trade, you don't get a big haul with the, which is what the Angels are looking for, if they, unless it's going to be a, a trade and sign. I don't know if it's going to be that. I don't know if he wants to play for the Yankees. Does he want the pressure? You know, we, we're going to talk about that in a couple minutes with with our guest. But I would go after Soto if you can get Soto. Soto is is a generational player. Listen, last year he or two years ago we we all wanted Soto. I did a whole 10-minute diatribe on why the Mets should get Soto and why they should trade whoever is available for Soto. So uh, that, that's what I would do if I was the Yankees. As far as the game goes last night for the Yankees, no good. No good. Uh, I, you know, Stanton hit a home run in the first, and that was it. It was, it was much like the Mets game. He hit a two-run home run in the first. You go, okay, here we go. The Rockies are no good. The Yankees can beat up on them. They're going to hit the ball. Ball travels, runs are scored. Ton of runs are scored in Colorado. This is going to be a blowout. Easy, easy walk through, right? Nope. Because Rendon was not as good last night as he was last week in his first start. Both losses. The first one was not his fault. He lost three nothing to the Orioles, who are you know who are my pick. I love the Orioles this year. I love the Orioles in the second half. I love them to win the division. I think the Orioles are primed. They they waited long enough. They've been bad long enough. They have good young players. I love Rutschman. I think the Orioles win that division. But they beat the they beat Rondon three nothing in his first in his first start. This this time it was Rondon giving up long balls. He gave up multiple home runs, long home runs. The Yankees lose seven to two, was never really close. They got nothing going after the first inning. And it again, it's the offense. It's the offense. They had no offense without Judge. Now, Judge did take batting practice, I think it was yesterday, or possibly the the day before. He took batting practice in Colorado. What does that mean? I don't know. I have no answer for you. You know, Brett might be able to answer it better for you. He's he's the nurse. But I, I, don't, I don't know what it means. He could be back next week. He could not come back. They're not going to bring him back if, it's gonna, if it, there's a risk of a long-term injury. It's not worth it for them this year. It's not worth it to bring him back. You're not a good team. They're a borderline playoff team. They're, I mean, they're all right. They're average. You know, they float between 10 and 7 and 6 and or 11 games over 500. That's who they are. Listen, when you get to this point, when you get to mid-July, they, they, you are who you are. Very rarely do you get a 73 Mets situation where the, or, or where the Yankees came back and the Bucky Dent home run and everything. Very rarely do you get runs like that. Or when the Mets dropped... You know, up seven with 17 to play, and they lost the division. Or even last year when the Mets had a big lead. But you you don't get those all the time. And these two teams certainly don't look like teams that are going to be one of those teams to make that run. I mean, do they to you? They don't to me. Mets are 18 and a half out of the division. They're like eight out of the wild card. You're gonna they got four teams to jump. You think they're going to play 20 games over 500? No. 
Yankees might slide into that last wild card spot. And you could sit here and you could, you know, everyone's going to go Phillies, Phillies, look at Phillies last year. You just got to be in it. Yankees aren't winning anything with this team the way it is now. Now, if they add Soto or they add Otani, maybe. But I don't, what do you have to give up? What do you have to give up to get to get Soto? What do you have to give up to get Otani? Is Otani going to sign? The Yankees aren't trading for Otani if he's not going to sign here. And I don't think he would sign here. He would have been here already. Right? If he wanted to come, he would have been here. If he wanted to go to big market and he wanted to stay at West, he would have went to the Dodgers. He didn't. He went to the Angels. There's, there's got to be something to that. And the Angels screwed the whole thing up anyway. I mean, they, they, they got Babe Ruth and Mickey Mano out there with Trout and Otani. And they stink. They can't even make the playoffs. Half the people out here in the East Coast never saw a Trout play. So, not a good start for the baseball teams. Last night, back at it again tonight. Um, it, as Bill says, as bad as the Mets were, you kind of miss baseball over those three days, right? Nothing on. There's nothing on TV. You know, with these writers strike and everything, there's nothing. No, no new shows coming on. The Jets might be joining the picket line to stay off hard knocks, but we'll get to that in a minute. I miss baseball. It was good. You know, baseball's there. It's there every day in the summer. It's something that you don't watch it every day, but it's on every day, and you and you keep up with it. And you know, you go. It was only three days, and you and, and the team stinks. And I was still like, ah, you know, I wish there was baseball on tonight. You know, I had to watch uh, the ESPYS, which I didn't really watch. I didn't really watch the ESPYS. I, I I did see the Demar Hamlin thing, where he his whole the Bills medical staff and. Everything went, and listen, here's what they should have done with, with that. They should have just had them, them come up on stage, the whole medical staff that worked on DeMar Hamlin, come up on stage, roll out two wheelbarrows full of SPs, and just give them all the SPs, and then call it a night. Because that, that, that's what they deserved, every one of them. Every, every single one of those SPs, everything. They were the best team. They were the best athlete. Everything. Give, give them all to them. Um. As far as other news goes, the Giants and Saquon, listen, I don't know what they're going to do. I've been telling you that the, the Giants are doing the right thing. As much as it's, it's a bad situation for Saquon, and it sucks. But the Giants are doing the right thing, the right thing business-wise and the right thing football-wise by not giving him you know, more money than, he, than really they have to. And he could talk about sitting out all he wants, and he could sit out training camp. I don't think he will, but he can. That's his choice, but it's not going to get him anywhere. He's not going to win this. He can't win this. Take your $22 million over the two years because he's going to get franchised again next year, too. That's the, that's the thing with this. Is he, it's going to be franchised this year. It's going to be franchise tag next year. So it, it sucks, and it sucks that, you, that your position has just come to this. It's business. You know, it's a business. It's the business side. You hear players say it all the time. Well, it's business, you know. Well, it's business, and now this time it doesn't favor the player. And it sucks because Barkley, you know, he's a good giant. And he was really all we had for three, four years. But he could start to go south at any moment. And when running backs go south, they go south real fast. Real fast. And they become nothing. And then you're you're stuck with this contract. And, you know, you could always cut him in the NFL, but it hits the salary cap. It still stays on the salary cap. So that... Listen, that's going to work itself out, whether it works itself out in the next three three days with a, a contract or if they, he gets hit with the tag and he just has to play on the tag. He'll be there opening day. You, you, you could take it to the bank. He might not be in, in training camp a couple weeks. That's okay. It's okay. if he I, And I support him if he wants to do that because I get it. I get it. But he'll be there opening day. I, I firmly believe that. The Jets, the Jets, nobody wanted hard knocks. The Jets were basically ordered by the league. Hey, listen, here it is. You're doing it. You drew the, sh- the short straw. You had Rodgers come out yesterday. said, you know, he doesn't want any part of it. You had uh, Salah say he doesn't want any part of it. The Jets, nobody wants any part of hard knocks. Nobody. Now, I, I guess they could join the picket line, right? The Jets, you know, they're going to be in the show. Is the show going to even go on? With this, with the strike going on and everything, who knows? I don't know that. I know there's a there's a writer strike, there's an actor strike, there's a whole whole thing. All the shows are being delayed. You might not have any shows, new shows this year, because it's a pretty serious strike. And now they they've 
SAG and the writers and the, the production people that are striking have been joined by other unions and it doesn't look like it. they're anywhere close. I was listening to Fran Drescher, the nanny, yesterday speak and it did, listen, they don't sound any, she doesn't sound like they are going to settle anytime soon. How does that affect Hard Knocks? I'm not sure. I actually just thought of it now, like in the last 10 minutes. I'm not sure if that affects Hard Knocks, how that affects Hard Knocks, but I'm sure it will. I'm sure the Jets are hoping they don't got to do it. We're all hoping they do have to do it because we want to watch it. It'll probably be interesting. 13 years ago, the Jets did Hard Knocks. They went to the AFC Championship game. Rex Ryan, uh, Mark Sanchez, the tattoo on the leg of of Rex Ryan's wife, the, the whole thing. It was great. This one won't be as entertaining because Rodgers is weird, but he's not entertaining weird. Like Rex Ryan is entertaining weird. But we'll see We'll, we'll see how that plays out. I, I don't know how that's going to play out. Um, I want to get to our, our guest now. He hosts um, one of the top nationally syndicated sports talk radio shows in the country on CBS Sports Radio. He's on 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Monday through Friday with the DA Show. He hosts the DA Show. It's a really good show. It's a really popular show. He's a big-time star in sports talk radio. And I sat down with him, and I spoke with him just a couple minutes ago. Here's my interview with Damon Amendolara. All right, we'd like to welcome in now our guest. I'm excited to have this guest. I'm a fan of his. I'm a fan of the show. He's the host of the DA Show. It's annually rated one of the top ten shows in America, nationally syndicated, CBS Radio. Damon Amendolara. Damon, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Saturday morning, you know, I'm I'm good. I'm off work. I'm not sitting in jail, which you yeah, know. I, is that- <laughs> I like that as a bar. I like you know, that yeah. as a bar. Yeah. If we're not sitting in jail, then things are good. I set the bar low, you know. It is what it is. <laughs> if we're not in jail, then everything is okay. It is now. Speaking of my job, when I, when I work in jail, people always think like, okay, you go to jail, you go in there, you, you punch the, the, the biggest guy in the room, right? That's the first thing you do. Nobody yeah. really does that, but that's what everybody thinks. Okay. In 2015, you did that in the radio version of that. You went <laughs> you pun- and you punched Mike Francesa right in the face. <laughs> that's like a good analogy, right? Too. I do like that as a narrative. Yeah, it's amazing that the feud with Francesa has been one of the biggest bullet points in my career. Of course. And I never was looking for that confrontation. I didn't even know that he was going to be mad about it. It, it all started <laughs> because... We all do these CBS Sports Minutes that air across the network, and they also air in WFN in New York. And that day, that was before I was doing regular minutes. I was still the nighttime host at CBS. But I was filling in for the midday show, and that day, it was around July 4th. It was a vacation week for most of the full-time guys. I was filling in with Bart Scott, and Bart was bouncing here, there, everywhere. And I was just trying to corral him for every segment. And then I had to write and record these CBS Sports Minutes. And so one of them I wrote was about when Hulk Hogan got in trouble for a racist video, a racist rant that he made on a personal video that, that went viral. And I just kind of ripped Hulk Hogan and I used my initials that I'm DA for CBS Sports. And it aired across the network, including on Mike's show. And Mike was on at the time. And Mike apparently just started trashing me on the air. Who is this guy? <laughs> You've been in the, the business for 15 minutes. You're using your initials. Nobody knows who you are. You're, you're talking about wrestling. What is wrestling? Hulk Hogan. I don't need that on my airwaves. And I, I had no idea what was happening because I'm also on the air. But I start getting texts. I start getting tweets about it. And I'm like, whoa, what is blowing up? And it led to a full-scale radio war because people that didn't like Mike jumped on my side. And people that liked Mike jumped on his side and trashed me. And I just found myself unwittingly in the middle of, like, a huge radio <laughs> war. It was great because, I, I, I mean, you, you, you embraced it. You have to embrace it because, yeah. listen, I mean, he is Mike Francesa, you know. And, and how dare you use your initials, by the way. I mean, come on. <laughs> Well, that's a whole other story, too, because when I was coming through journalism school, they thought that my last name, Amendolar, was too long. And they were like, what are you going to change it to? And I had kind of a big decision to make. I'm like, I don't really want to change my last name. I felt weird about doing it. My to think that my family would have to be embarrassed of my name. If like, I just didn't want to like tell my family like, yeah, our name's not good enough for the radio or for TV. 
So I had some program directors in, in school say, well, how about Damon Delara? And I'm like, that sounds ridiculous. And, <laughs> DD? And, DD? Yeah. And it's kind of like a cartoon character. Yeah, yeah. And then I, my first job, full-time job, was in uh, Fort Myers, Florida. But then I, I landed one in Kansas City. And they wanted to change my name, too. And they said, well, how about Damon Amon? And I'm like, no, nah, I don't think that, that sounds good either. And I just stuck with it. But because it was long and it was Italian and it was the Midwest in Kansas City, they're like, how about we just use your, your initials? I said, no problem. And so they coined the show, the DA show, when I got to KC. And I was 23, 24 years old. And so it just that's the way everybody's called me from there on. So it's funny when Mike crushed me for using my initials. I'm like, this wasn't even really my decision. It's just what everybody calls me, and now I can't stop it. So sorry, it's just the deal. Yeah, I, listen, he's all. I, I I happen to like Mike, but I think he he does do some ridiculous stuff like that. I mean, either way, but yeah, listen, he's a Yankee fan, so I don't you know we don't like him anyway. But um, <laughs> as a Mets fan, listen, this whole thing is gone. This whole thing is gone south, real south, real fast. Um. I don't even know what to say, especially at the last night. They get one hit. You get Nimmo hits one off the top of the wall and then nothing for the rest of the game. What are your thoughts on the Mets this year? It's so disappointing. I mean, if you're a Mets fan, you're kind of prepared for big expectations to blow up in your face. And so I can't say this is completely shocking. But coming off a 100-win season last year and adding Verlander and adding Senga, you know, you figured at least this team would be in the wild card hunt the entire season. At the very least, they should be in the playoff hunt for a wild card slot. And then to see the first month be really rocky, you're like, well, they'll start to figure it out. And then the second month was really rocky. And then June was an absolute nightmare. You're thinking, <laughs> well, they'll have to level off at some point. I mean, they're just much better than what we saw in June. And now to still be doing this and to still have – you know, these pitching efforts that are disaster and Verlander and Scherzer are just so underwhelming. You know, now you just feel like the season's over, that it's just it's too late now as we're to mid-July. And it's really disappointing. Not that it's shocking, but it's really disappointing that you could have the highest payroll in Major League Baseball history and the season is over before we get to August. It was over. It was over. But I mean, I, I and you have the batting champion who's hitting, two, who, who's hitting 240. You have I mean, Vogelback, who, gee, he just keeps throwing Vogelback in that lineup, which I don't – the only thing worse than that is putting Donaldson with, over on the other side of town in the fifth spot hitting, you know, he has ten hits all year and nine of them are home runs. But, like, it's just – like you said, it's so disappointing. I, I have a list that I have. It's called uh, Former Met, Now Good. And it, it's people – you know, it's people <laughs> – it's got, it's got a whole long, long list of people. Um, and just when, when – the two pitches came over. You just kind of knew it was going to happen. Hey, listen, the only thing we have is that Verlander is doing better than DeGrom. Well, Other than that, true. there's nothing. That, imagine they had signed DeGrom. Oh, God. That, that nightmare that would have totally blown up in their face. Yeah, I mean, I know. It's just you kind of had a sense that it could go wrong. But the thing was that all of the guys that had great seasons last year seemed to be crashing down to earth this year. And then the new guys, aside from Senga, have not pulled their weight. And so maybe last year they were better than they should have been. And this year they're probably worse than they should have been. So maybe they're somewhere in the middle for both seasons. But also Buck has seemed to be overwhelmed and out of sorts. And that shouldn't happen. So it just, it's, it's almost like this year was just, you know, cursed from the start because there's just been so many things that have gone wrong for them, mostly just good players playing poorly. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, it was over before it started, right? With the WBC. With, with, with the, Diaz, uh, the, so, yeah, right. we, really, it was over exactly. before it started, exactly. and then and and that like Buck, like song. yeah, and could you be more tone deaf, Buck? Like after you get swept by the Braves, to sit there in the in the in the, pre, in the press box in the press conference and go proud of my guys? I, I mean, come on, you like right. like we weren't pissed off enough? Come on, <laughs> and it's yeah, like uh, get get with it. He he he, he knows better. He knows better. Now, um. As far as the rest of baseball goes, it should be a good second half. Otani, what are your thoughts on Otani? Is he coming to the Yankees? Please don't come to the Yankees. But is he coming to the Yankees? Is he going? Is he? What, what's going to happen with that? Are they going to keep him? So the smart play for the Angels, I think, will be to trade him because I don't think they're going to make a move towards a wild card slot in the next couple of weeks before the deadline. But I, I don't think that ownership has the stones, has the stomach to do it. I think they look at this guy. 
rightfully so, as the generational, once-in-a-lifetime type of, of guy that, that you can't get rid of. And I'm not sure the return is as big as it really could have been. You're only getting them for two months, obviously, as a rental. So I, I just wonder if the Angels really want to re-sign him and want him to be there long-term. And I think he chose to go to Anaheim for a reason. I think he wanted the West Coast, big market, but not the pressure of the Dodgers. I don't think he necessarily wants to be a Yankee because there's a lot of pressure there. And I don't think the Angels want to pull the trigger. So I don't know if he'll be traded, although I think it's the smart play if they if they do trade him. I mean, the Angels the Angels are another franchise. That I, I don't know. They basically have Mickey Mantle and Babe Ruth, right? Trout and, and Otani. And they, they can't even make the playoffs. People here on the, on the East Coast, unless you're watching MLB Network at 2 in the morning – well, one in the morning, you don't you don't see Trout. You know, we're missing out on this generational player here because you don't see much out of him. They don't make the postseason ever. He's hurt now, but they, you know, I I feel like Trout and Otani kind of get you know, wasted out there. Yeah, if you ever felt bad about being a Mets fan, just look across the country at Angels fans because the Angels have had, as you said, two of the greatest players arguably ever, and they can't even make the playoffs. I mean, they just they don't. It's amazing. I think. Mike Trout has made the postseason once in his decade-long career, and they didn't even win a playoff game. Trout has zero playoff <laughs> game wins, and Shohei hasn't sniffed the postseason. And they spend money. I mean, look at the Anthony Rendon deal. Yeah, but they just—it never works. So they're even—they're—they're they're one of the most disappointing franchises I think in sports. Yeah, and I think it robs. Like I said, I think it robs some people here on the East Coast because the casual fan—they hear about Trout, they hear about you know, but you don't see him. Because they're playing it at ten thirty at night, but yeah. you know it, it is what it is. Now, I'm I'm big on the Orioles this year in the AL East. I think they're gonna about. I I think Tampa is fading. You know, Tampa built up that big cushion with the thirteen in a row to start the season. They've kind of used every bit of that cushion now as their their game or so ahead of Baltimore. Give me your thoughts on the Orioles and and Rutschman. I like Rutschman too. I, what do you think about that? Yeah, Rutschman's amazing. You know, th- this entire run that started last year for the Orioles when they made a push towards the playoffs in the second half of last year and then have been fantastic this year all started when Adley got called up. And, I mean, he's the cornerstone guy. They knew that he was the, the highest-rated prospect of the organization for a while, ever since he was drafted. And he's just paid dividends. Like, he looks like a star. He plays like a star. He comports himself like a star. But the Orioles did something that was – controversial which was ripped apart a good team and just ripped it down to the studs and said we're going to lose and go cheat for a while and Orioles fans were PO'd understandably so when will you spend money this is you're trying to lose you know you're shortchanging us but the youth movement started to give you know them some some production and some wins starting last year and now it looks brilliant because you have all these young guys coming up at the same time and they're winning, and they're positioning themselves for, for the playoffs this year. So I love watching the Orioles. I think they're a great story for baseball. Camden Yards is still one of the best ballparks in all of America. So to see it filled up, you know, you got to remember, three years ago, they're getting 6,000 people to the, to the ballpark. Now they've got close to sellouts. So it's a great baseball story. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I think they're – I think – they're just so much fun to watch. That's a good baseball town too. Baltimore's, you know, they've they've always been they've always yep. been good. Now, are the A's are the A's the worst team we've ever seen? Probably because they're they're meant to be the worst team that we've ever seen. You know, there was yeah. that that Tigers team probably twenty years ago or so that almost toppled the nineteen sixty two Mets and and lost one hundred nineteen <laughs> games. I think that was that was I think a Jeremy Bonderman Tiger squad. That was an awful team. But this A's team is meant to be bad because the owner wants to move the team out of Oakland. He doesn't want anybody in the stands. He wants to make it look like it's apathetic and it's a ghost town. And he's doing a great job of it. So, yeah, this this team was built to be a disaster and are a disaster. And remember, they had a win streak as well, and they're still on pace for like 123 losses. Yeah, yeah. They're, I mean, they're, they're, they're bad. They're real bad. They're, well, I think Howie Rose is the one who calls them the Oakland Triple A's. or the o- They're really the double A's, you know, at this point. Yeah. Um, now you do you do a national show with college football. It's not big here. It's just New York. It's for some reason it's not real big. Um, but I got to talk some college football with you because I know you enjoy college football. You're a big college football guy. Fitzgerald and Northwestern. Were you surprised that he got fired? Uh, yes, I was surprised because if Northwestern gets an independent commission 
uh, investigation involved in the hazing allegations and they get back that information and they decide after they get back the report, it's a two week suspension in the middle of the summer. I don't expect that to go from two week suspension to you're fired two days later. It's such a dramatic swing. They probably under uh, punished him when they got the report back, but we don't really know because they never made the report public. So we don't know what information they had or how they interpreted it. So it's a, it's a huge mistake in a black guy by Northwestern to go from such a little punishment to such a dramatic one. And -hmm. in the middle of it, not tell anybody what they knew and when they knew it. But yeah, I I was surprised also because Fitzgerald is an icon there. He's probably the most popular player that's ever played for the program. He's probably the most popular coach that's ever coached for the program. And even though they're coming off two bad seasons, it seemed like he had a lifetime contract there. So, yeah, I was surprised. Yeah. Did, did I see yesterday that they fired their baseball coach, too? And there's something related they, to it? Yeah, they did. They they fired their coach, their baseball coach, for also abusive behavior. Apparently, they had multiple staffers leave the program, and nobody liked playing or coaching with them. So kind of weird that Northwestern had two of these incidents within the same athletic program at the same time. Yeah, it is weird. I thought they were connected when I just I saw it run through the bot on the on the on the crawl on ESPN or something. I was like, wait, is that connected? Um, are we heading towards one super conference? Like, what what what's the deal? Is college college football? I know college football is where the money is. I know they don't really care about all the other sports and the travel and everything. Are we heading towards just one super conference? Um, it's hard to say. I, I wouldn't say it's definite because right now you have these five power conferences. And they're all making good money. The Pac-12 is on some shaky ground, but they're all making pretty good money. And the Big Ten and the SEC is making great money. And if we were going down that road and there was still a four-team playoff, you could easily see that those two schools, those two conferences were just going to zoom ahead and leave everybody else behind. But they voted to expand the postseason to 12 teams to open it up to all the conferences and the smaller conferences, which means that if everybody has access to a playoff where ultimately there's a bracket and a national champion and all that money, then there might not be a real need right now for super conferences because the really wealthy conferences, SEC, Big Ten, can keep all their money, and then everybody else is happy as well because they have a path to the playoff. So I don't think it's necessarily true, although it certainly smelled like that, but um, it'll be really interesting as college football this year is the final year of the four-team playoff starts ramping up and how different maybe the sport looks, let's say, three or four years from now. Yeah, that, that was the problem. That's the problem I had with college football. I'm a, I'm a big college basketball guy. I love the tournament. I'm at, I'm at the Garden for the Big East tournament every year. I love it. In college basketball, every single team, no matter whether you're Hofstra or you're Duke, if you win, if you win through starting at uh, championship week, you're going to win a national title. Football, there is countless amount of teams that start the season they can run the table win every game they don't they're never going to make it they, they don't have no chance to win the championship to me i mean it's kind of a, a you know a small thing because these small Hofstra doesn't win national titles but i feel like it's just kind of rigged a little bit yeah there's no doubt that that's been the biggest issue for college football for a long time is that it's a very selective club you know whether you're in even in the sec there are schools that can't win a championship like missouri or vanderbilt even if they run the table nobody's going to take them seriously yeah, and, and really they can't run the table so that has been a big problem so the expanded playoff certainly helps i love college football i grew up in the northeast as well i grew up in orange county new york in the hudson valley and you know college football isn't big and i think the reason is it isn't is because very few people around here have ever experienced really huge college football Saturdays. Rutgers doesn't count. I've been to Rutgers and Rutgers doesn't count. It's fine, but it is go to, I've been to Notre Dame for a game. I've been to Nebraska. I've been to LSU for a game. I've been to Alabama for a game. I've been to Auburn for a game. I've been to USC for a game. It's just completely different. And when, when you roll up on a, a stadium at, you know, eight o'clock in the morning and you're on a campus, a beautiful campus, and everybody is tailgating and the flags are flying and they're chanting and the marching band comes through and the teams get off the bus and everybody cheers them going in. And you have these incredible traditions and songs and chants and tailgates. And you go and the roar of the crowd, there's 80,000 people 
and the band is playing, and it's an intense experience, and every game matters so much because if you lose one or two games, your season's over. It is so different, and and nobody in the Northeast knows that because we don't have those schools around. If if you've gone to a small private school, if you've gone to a college that has – you know, a smaller football program. They play in the Patriot League or they play in the, the Colonial Association. Unless you went to Penn State, unless yeah. at times Syracuse, when they were really good in the 80s and 90s, mm. felt Yeah, really McDab. Yeah, but it's it's so hard to, you know, you'd have to, you'd have to really travel far to get that experience. People don't know it. And if you know it, you just get totally entranced by it. That's how I became a college football fan. I my first job was down in uh, Fort Myers, Florida, and I went to the Orange Bowl for Miami, Florida State, when they were okay. two of the best teams of the country. But when you sit in the Orange Bowl and it's two schools and alumni that hate one another and you're watching on the field all this NFL talent and the, it's the tomahawk chop and it's the you yeah, and it's yeah. a huge, enormous event, you're like, whoa, this is something else. I also went up to the swamp when I was living down there to go see a Gator game. And I'm like, oh, okay, now I get it. This That's is real. Totally That's real. different than anything that we know in the Northeast. And I was at Syracuse when McNabb was there and Dwight Freeney was there. And it was great. Don't get me wrong. But it's not, it's the, not same the same culture no. as anywhere else. Yeah, I actually – I lived down, down in Florida. I lived in uh, West Palm area for, for a couple years, two years. And I got my – I got the season – I got Miami season tickets – I mean, they were terrible. This was when they were terrible. And it was kind of, I, I felt like it was kind of, it was a step below because I have a buddy down there who, who went to Florida, uh, University of Florida, the swamp, still goes there. And that's a whole nother level than Miami even. I mean, well, not yeah. Miami. Miami back in the day was that, but now Miami. Correct. The, the year that I went to go see Florida State, uh, Miami was 02. So this was after they had won the 2001 championship. And this was 02. Yeah. Or okay. 03 when they played for another one. And this was the Andre Johnson, um, you know, Vince Wilfork, Jonathan Vilma, uh, Jeremy Shockey, Kellen Winslow, Frank Gore, Willis McGahee. Like, it yeah, was a stacked one. team. <laughs> but you're right. If you go to a Miami football game now, they play at the home of the Dolphins, and it doesn't feel like a college uh, atmosphere. They're a mediocre college football team. It's, yeah. it's not the same. It's a, it's a great experience when they're really good, which they were in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s. When they're mediocre, it's not much of anything. Yeah, I agree. Now, now the NFL, the NFL, of course, king in this country. People, me, I can't get it. I'm, I'm upset about the baseball even more because I'm going to have to be talking about the NFL during the preseason and stuff. And I, yeah. I, there's nothing worse than the NFL preseason. I'm, I'm glad they cut it to three games. But, and I'm a Giants fan, so we're, you know, we're kind of, do, do the Giants, uh, does Saquon sign these now in these next couple of days? Or does, does, I think they're doing the right thing, hitting them with the franchise tag. I think it's just kind of, you know, it's tough luck. Running back's not that kind of position anymore. It's funny because I've, I've got two weekend shifts on the fan coming up uh, Sunday this weekend and then Saturday next weekend. And I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, I can't be talking baseball anymore because yeah, these no. seasons are over. I got to start talking football. Um, the Giants are absolutely doing the right thing. They're 100% doing the right thing. And it's just, it's as you said, tough luck for Saquon. He is a hard worker. He's got a great attitude. He's a professional. He wants to do the right thing. He wants to be a giant. He wants to do right by the community. He's all the things you want, but you just cannot invest long-term money and years in running back. It is blown up in everybody's face. Look at Ezekiel Elliott. Now, Zeke let himself go. He's not in shape, but the Cowboys didn't win anything after they signed him to the big contract extension and, in fact, found a much cheaper alternative in Tony Pollard, and they finally were like, why would we have Zeke around here yeah. anymore? It de- look at Austin Eckler, uh, go down the list, Dalvin Cook. There is not a, a running back in the NFL. They tried to trade Derrick Henry in Nashville this offseason. There's not a running back in the NFL that's getting to a second or third contract. So it just he's going to have to take the money. He'd be stupid not to. He doesn't want to because it's only short term. But the Giants are doing the right thing by not negotiating a long-term deal. I know, and it sucks because, like you said, I like Saquon. He was he was basically all we had for three, four years. But I said yeah. they they never should have taken him second either. I mean, he had to he basically had to be you know Barry Sanders f- to justify that pick, and I don't even know if that justifies the pick if he's like that. And he tries to play it off like, oh, I'm not a running back. I'm Christian McCaffrey. I'm receiver. I'm um slot back. This and that. 
Listen, bottom line is you, you're going to have to take, you, you know, listen, there's going to be a roof, roof over his head and food on the table with $22 million, all right? I'll go be running back for the Giants for the league minimum if they really want. But, you know, <laughs> I'd be out of it. Forget it. I'd make it two plays. Um, Lamar Jackson, how does he go back to Baltimore after that, after last year? He paid because let's, let's, let's be real. He could have played. I think he could have played in that playoff game. I think he basically left the team. He screwed the city. They lost the playoff game because they cut a club. Remember, they almost won that game. Sure did. With, uh, with what's-his-face as quarterback. How do, you, how do you go back there? I think it was just all um, a bit of a song and dance from Lamar. And they called his bluff. I think Lamar was upset because he put, he thought, his body on the line for the franchise. And then he got injured. And maybe it wasn't as severe as he was making it out to be. But he still didn't have his guaranteed deal and was just really PO'd at the organization. And so he refused to come back, refused to play, and refused to play in that that Bengals game uh, in the playoffs. And then he tweeted all that stuff. And he wanted, I think he wanted respect or he wanted the money or what have you. And the Ravens all along just were not going to take the bait, just saying all the right things. We love him. He's a great captain. He's a great leader. He's a great quarterback. They just weren't going to take the bait. And then finally, it's like a, a toddler that cries himself out in the corner. It's like he can only cry for so long before he's just going to have to stop crying. He has to go to bed or has to eat his peas or whatever. So finally, they just waited until he cried himself out and then got a deal. And then the next day you see Lamar Jackson, let's get this thing going, the flock forever or whatever. <laughs> So it wasn't even like it was that much animosity. He just wanted the money. And I think once he realized he wasn't getting Deshaun Watson's contract and his agent probably told him, hey, well, he doesn't have an agent, but advisor might have told him. Mom, mommy. Maybe mom. (laughs) He's just like, I guess I got to take it. And then suddenly it's like, all right, game on. So um, it's a very weird flip that happened. It's weird. It reminds me of like when in Seinfeld, when George got fired and he just kept showing up back to work. And they're like, what are you doing here? (laughs) <laughs> he's like no nah, yeah what are, you, what are you talking about i wasn't fired but i mean I, <laughs> now uh the char- the chargers the chargers they got a first year head coach coming in the chargers always disappoint i think like the Chargers have been disappointing since they lost 55 to 10 in the super bowl 30 years ago justin herbert's one of one of, i think he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league i said he was going to be the best quarterback within two years and that was two years ago of course last year was a flop what do you think about the chargers this year what do you think about herbert Oh, I love Herbert. Um, there's not a throw he can't make. Uh, Herbert proved in the first half against uh, the Jaguars of the playoff game that that he is as tough to defend as anybody in the NFL when he's on. But the Chargers did themselves in with how they managed injuries last year. Um, Coaching-wise, they're not very good, seemingly, and they have a tendency to just be the Chargers, which is led up in the biggest moments, which is the second half in Jacksonville. So I love Herbert. I love the type of talent that they have, but it's very hard to believe in the Chargers because they always seem to underwhelm. Yeah, but they somehow slip into the playoffs a lot of times, too. They're almost like, the, they're like oh, they're supposed to be good, but then they just slip into that last wild card. The talent is always there for them to make the playoffs, but... They never have the DNA to be able to go very far. I'm interested in the Saints this year. We had um, Coach Westoff on the show. Who's forget if you get a chance to have Mike Westoff on your show, have him because yeah. he's because he's a lunatic <laughs> and and great he's great call. and he speaks his mind and he's, he's oh great. he's great. Yeah. Um, Derek Carr. I'm not a big Derek Carr guy. Is he how's he how's he going to do? Is he going to succeed there? Um, I think he'll succeed enough. I don't think he'll be a star, but, um, you know, they've got good weapons. We'll see how the Kamara thing ends up. Uh, he's been in uh, legal trouble, but they've got enough weapons. They play indoors. It's a winnable division. I think he'll be good enough. I actually thought the Jets would have had a smarter play signing Derek Carr than going after Aaron Rodgers because I think that Carr even though he doesn't bring highlights and headlines, is a more consistent producer and brings less drama. But the problem is the Saints don't have the same supporting cast that the Jets would give Aaron Rodgers. So I think Carr would have been better with the Jets than he will be in New Orleans. I also don't like Dennis Allen as a head coach in New Orleans, but I think it's fine. You know, If you're in the NFC South, think about that. The Buccaneers are going to be awful. Uh, The Panthers are probably going to be pretty awful. And um, we're talking about the Falcons, who are probably going to be mediocre. So the Saints should win the division by default. Now, does Aaron Rodgers get hurt before the season finale of Hard Knocks? 
Uh, no, not before <laughs> that. But, you know, this Rodgers thing with the Jets is, uh, is such a huge risk. It feels right now to be very exciting because he's saying all the right things. He looks good in a Jets uniform. Uh, optimism reigns supreme. But, man, you you got to realize Aaron Rodgers last year with the Packers was not very good, at least in big spots. He was one of the main reasons why the Packers missed the playoffs. And even if you pick out his good games last year and say, well, he finally came around with young uh, wide receivers and he finally fit in with the offense, and blah, blah, blah. They've be- They've been exited from the playoffs. They've been eliminated from the postseason for the last four years all on days that Rodgers was terrible. He was terrible in San Francisco. He was terrible at home against San Francisco. He was terrible against Tampa Bay, and he was terrible last year against the Lions. You can't If that's the way it goes for Rodgers this year with the Jets, the people are going to have pitchforks. That, <laughs> that can't be the way that Aaron Rodgers or the Jets get eliminated this year if he's terrible. But you know it's going that way. You know it is. It I feels mean, it, inevitable. It, it does. It does. And until it happens, until the Jets prove it doesn't happen, you know, it's we're gonna all think that now. Tell everybody, tell everybody where they can find you. Where, uh, you know, Twitter handle, everything like that. Tell everybody where we can find you. Yeah, I'm on uh, weekday mornings on CBS Sports Radio. If you're on in New York, you can get that on Sirius XM channel 158 or on the Odyssey app. If you listen to the fan, um, the fan is on Odyssey, so it's a free app on your phone. You can listen to CBS Sports Radio podcasts. Of the show are available every, everywhere. I'm also on weekends on WFAM. The, the times of the days change. It's a Saturday. It's a Sunday. It's a morning. It's an afternoon. So you might hear me on the fan. But on Twitter, uh, it's at DA on CBS. On Instagram, it's at Damon Amendo. I try to read all my replies. I try to respond to all my DMs. My DMs are open. So if you want to hit me up there, it's all good. And uh, yeah, appreciate you having me on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. And uh, listen, you're my first go-to when Boomer and Car- when Boomer and Geo aren't there. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. Oh, and we should remind uh, your viewers and your listeners yes. that I do the New York Accent Podcast. So if you're a New York fan, um, I interview a different uh, former athlete or former coach or former broadcaster from New York every week. And that's uh, in tandem with WFAN. So that podcast is called New York Accent. The new episode's coming out on Tuesday. Charlie Steiner, who grew up in Malvern, New York on Long Island, was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan, then was an icon on SportsCenter. Uh, and, he, did the, uh, he did the Boone call. He did a boom call, yeah, and then he then he was with Sterling in the Yankees booth for three years. He did the Aaron Boone home run. Now he's been a Dodgers uh, radio guy for 15 years or so. So we interviewed him, and he's got great stories. If you're you and I are about the same age, you remember yeah. his this is Sports Center commercials. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He was hysterical, <laughs> and then he was the guy that when they played the Carl Lewis sing of the national anthem, he was laughing so much he was yes. crying on air. Steiner was hysterical on Sports yeah. Center on ESPN. So he's got some great ESPN stories. And, yeah, the, uh, the, 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 curl, the perm and the, the glasses, right? Yeah, and the beard, yes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, the pod is New York accent. That's the new episode. Awesome. All right. So everybody check it out. Check out the DA show. It's great. It's funny. He's great on there. Um, and now you're also looking for a producer. This was my interview, just so you know. Oh, okay. This is good to know. We are uh, we are casting uh, a wide net. Yeah, my producer is Sean Moraz, what we call him. He's going to be Sean Morash on WFA and is going to join the Evident Teak afternoon show. So now his slot is opened up. So okay, we're throwing you into the hopper now. I'm in the hopper. Okay, you get right you offer pension, right? Pension and 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 the benefits. As far as I know, <laughs> that, that's, right. that's the discussion with the bosses. But I think so, and it might be right. working in the prison. I'm not sure. Maybe, well, maybe it can't can't right. be worse, right? Can't be worse. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for giving us a couple of minutes here, DA. My pleasure, man. Thanks. All right, thank. You. How about that? Thank you, thank you, thank you to Damon and Mandalora, DA, and I'm serious about that producer gig. My hat, my my name is in the hopper. CBS got to give some good benefits, right? We, I'm sure it will be good. So there's that. So we, you know, don't tell Brett, but I might be leaving the show. <laughs> but thank you very much to DA. Uh, great guy. Listen, great guy. Great talent. He is he's as good as it gets. He's nationally syndicated. He does morning drive on CBS Sports Radio across the country. He's on like, you know, however many hundreds of affiliates every single day. And we got him on this show, Locked Up Sports. I'm going to try. I, even, I didn't know we did that podcast, that New York uh, accent podcast. I'm excited. I'm going to check that out. That sounds like it's interesting. And listen, that's going to pretty much do it for us here today. Mets tonight, Zenga on the mound, Yankees 
are where the Yankees. Yankees are tonight as well, eight o'clock, and you got you got Schmidt and Seabold on the mound. Schmidt is four and six, four four ERA. You know, listen, he's pitching. Let's see if the Yankees can get more. Let's see if either of these teams can do anything besides the first inning. Please. Mets, I will listen. We're gra- I told you before, we're grasping at straws. It, it's not happening. I'll be there. I'll be rooting for it. I'll be screaming at my television like I was last night. That was a that, as boring and an unwatchable game as, as it, you could possibly have. And then to add on it, it was on Apple TV. I mean, come on. One hit. And yeah, and, they, and then Wayne Randazzo was the was the was the broadcaster. I like Wayne. I like Wayne Randazzo. I met Wayne last year after the playoff game outside of City Field. Good good guy, good announcer. You know, he, he the new guy that got to replace him, I forget his name. Oh, Rad, Keith Rad from the I think he was on doing the Ducks games, but he um he's good as well. But you know, we developed a, a relationship with we you develop a relationship with the radio guy. And that's what we did with Wayne Randazzo. And he was on the game last night. Other than that, it it was unwatchable. Unwatchable. Verlander, four or five, four innings of decent pitching, and then the fifth inning fell apart, couldn't find the strike zone. What did they what did he say after the game? He said something like, Oh, uh, yeah, a lot of good things happened. This Mets team, someone's gotta tell these Mets team, the manager, the players, that the fans care. We're pissed. We don't want to hear that the manager's proud of this team. Because there ain't nothing to be proud of. We don't want to hear Verlander standing in front of his locker saying that a lot of good things happened because a lot of good things did not happen. I didn't see anything good there. Even Nimmo's double off the top of the wall was not good because it could have been a home run. And nothing good happened after that because he sat on second base. So, forget the Mets. Listen, we're going to be doing the hard knocks, and if hard knocks doesn't go, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Because I don't want to talk about the Yankees. And the Giants, I'll talk about the Giants when they, when it starts. Um, Yankees tonight, Mets tonight. Enjoy your Saturday, everybody. I'm heading out to the barbecue. There is the block party this week. We did not do the show from the block party. Uh, not going to get into that. But, hey, hopefully we'll see you out there. Stop on down. Overton Drive, Sayville. And uh, I'll talk to you later in the week for the weekend wrap-up. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Damon and Mandalara for giving us a couple minutes on this Saturday morning. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. From the Brian Gunzel Studios, this is Bob Walters. Thanks for watching, everybody. See ya. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to let everyone know by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or on our website at LockedUpSports.net. Remember, you can also find us on your favorite social media site, on Twitter at LockedUpSports, on the gram at Locked underscore up underscore sports. Join our Facebook group, Locked Up Sports, or on TikTok at Locked Up Sports Show. Now you can catch all the latest from Locked Up Sports anytime. Thanks for listening.